Well, I tell you, that worship was so good. I was singing at the top of my lungs, and I forgot about the fact that my esophagus was ablated this week. And uh, so I hope I haven't worn it out as I stand before you and preach God's Word. Um, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6 this morning. But before we do that, there is a... A uh, secret sister who is a secret sister to all of us, and she's really not a secret secret. Uh, that's Sybil Turner. And uh, Sybil, Sybil recently had a birthday. Sybil, is your birthday on May the 11th? May the 11th. Mar- oh, Mar- oh, yes, March the 11th. And she hit 94. She ran right through it. And so- she is blessed. She is blessed. That's right. She is one of the descendants of Abraham, and she is blessed. So I think we need to sing happy birthday to Sybil this morning. Even though it's a belated, let's sing happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sybil. Happy birthday to you. Yay, and we love you so much. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, one of the great doctrines of our faith, justified by faith alone. And so if you have your Bibles, let's uh, read Genesis chapter 15, and we're going to look at the first six verses this morning. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar, Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Pray with me, please. Lord, I pray that my words would be clear, but more importantly, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning, that God, that your spirit, your words of truth will permeate every heart, mind, soul uh, in this place and those who are listening uh, online this morning. God, we're only made righteous. God, you We receive your righteousness by faith alone. Help us to understand this relationship this morning. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The question comes up oftentimes, how are people saved in the Old Testament? Well, church, people are saved in the Old Testament no different than they are saved in the New Testament. They are saved by faith in righteousness, through righteousness. And we've been looking at that in the book of Genesis uh, up to this point. We've seen we've seen five people who have been saved by, by faith. We've seen uh, Adam and Eve saved by faith. They believed the promises of God. And what did God do? He he made a sacrifice and he clothed them in the in the garments of that sacrifice, and it was a picture of of the Christian, of the believer in Christ, being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And he did that in Genesis chapter three. We we see it in the life of Abel. Abel was uh, one the their second son, Adam and Eve's second son, and he brings a sacrifice to the Lord that is acceptable. He brings that by faith. Um, we see this in the life of Enoch, who walked with God. He was a righteous man, and uh, Enoch didn't die. Enoch, God just took Enoch home. But he was a righteous uh, individual who proclaimed the gospel, the Bible says, in um, um, uh, Jude, verses 14 and 15. And we also see it in the life of Noah as well. Who believed God and uh, and uh, Noah built an ark that saved eight people from the judgment, the wrath of God. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter eleven for a moment. Hebrew, um, the individuals I just mentioned are uh, listed in the Hall of Faith. And beginning with verse 4, I want to read through um, oh, verse, verse 15. But verse 4, says this, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, therefore, he was taken that now, therefore, now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called, called to go out to a place 
that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. All these great men of the faith lived by faith, and it was counted to them as righteous. They are made right with God. That's how people in the Old Testament are saved, just as people in the New Testament are saved. No, they didn't know the cross. Jesus hadn't come. He didn't, hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't resurrected from the dead yet. But they believed the promised seed was coming. And they placed their faith in the God, the one and only God who can follow through with his promises. God the Father. God the Creator God. And so righteousness comes by faith. And so in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, this is a landmark verse that shows us the relationship between faith and righteousness. And as we begin begin chapter 15, um, Abram has come back from war. He has been victorious. He's given a tithe to Melchizedek. He's he has said no to uh, King Sodom. He gives all the possessions. He gives all the things he brought back from war when he defeated those four kings, and he gives them all back to Sodom because they don't belong to Abram. But he took a tenth of that portion and tithed it to the Lord because Abram knew. When Melchizedek, well, when Melchizedek blessed Abram, Abram knew it was God who had given him the victory. And so he honored God through the tithe. And so that was huge. But here we now see Abram in verse chapter 15. And Abram's struggling. He's, he's fearful. He's probably fearful that, uh, uh, those kings whom he defeated are going to try to seek retaliation. And so he's afraid. He's probably depleted as well. I mean, he just had a huge victory. And he's probably emotionally and spiritually spent. And folks, this is a picture of the Christian life. You know, when we're, when we're serving the Lord and and we've seen victory in our life, and we've uh, we've been to the mountaintop. Well, after the mountaintop comes the valley, and every believer has to go through the valley. And guess what? Where does God grow the fruit? On the mountaintop or in the valley? God grows our Christian life, the fruit of the Spirit in our life. In the valley. And this is where Abram is. And the Bible says in verse 1 after all these things had occurred, the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. 
I am your shield, Abram. Abram needed to hear those words. God knew Abram's heart. Abram, I'm going to be your shield. And even though that you've given away all that uh, you brought back from that victory against those four kings, your reward with me, Abram, is going to be very great. Church, that's our God. He knows our hearts. He knows what we need. He's going to come to us in the time that we need him most. He told Abram, Abram, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I will reward you. But I'm not sure Abram heard that. (laughs) And how often do we not hear it because we are looking at our cup half empty? You know, we're looking at what God isn't doing in our life, what we don't see happening that we want to see happening. And in verse 3, or verse 2, Abram says, O Lord God, now he's being respectful here, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Abram is having a pity party. Woe is me. God, I have no kid. I have no nation. You have promised me, Lord. You promised me in chapter 12. You promised me in chapter 13. And here I am, childless, without a nation. God, the clock is ticking. I'm not getting any younger. How old is Abram at this point? Well, Scripture doesn't tell us in chapter 15, but in chapter 16, when Ishmael is born, the Bible says at the end of uh, chapter 16 that he is 86 years old. So, Possibly Abram could have been 85 years old, 10 years after he had come into the land of Canaan. And so he complains to the Lord. But I want you to see the patience of God. God responds to Abram with a promise, with another promise. He's already promised him three times. Well, he's now going to promise him on a fourth occasion. God's going to give him a promise, not an explanation. How often do we want the explanation? Why, God, are you delaying? Why are you taking so long God isn't going to explain himself to Abram he's going to give him 
a promise again. He's going to clarify that promise once again. We want the details. But God wants to just trust us to trust Him with His promises. We can't live on explanations when we're down and out. We want explanations. That's not going to help us when we're down and out. My friend, God wants to give us His promises. Because it's in His promises and only in His promises that we can find hope to continue to persevere. You know, I've been doing a lot of memorial services here lately. And I I walked into an ICU room Wednesday to a very difficult situation. Taylor was dying. You may not know Taylor, but Taylor um, is a little girl. She's, she's 23 years old. She's a miracle child. Doctor didn't anticipate her living past the age of 12. She had severe cerebral palsy. She's had a very difficult life. But she was in, born into a family that has loved her unconditionally. And as you can imagine, the family's distraught. I can't give them an explanation. I have an explanation. But that's not what they need. They need hope. They need to know the future. Where God is in this situation and what God says. Because God is not silent when it comes to death and dying. It's the only religion It's the only voice that speaks volumes to those who are going through the valley of the shadow of death. God gave Abram his promise again. And it's through the promise that we find hope to keep going. Jesus Jesus' death and resurrection. We sang about it in these songs this morning. Jesus' death and resurrection sets us free from the bondage of sin and death. And whoever, whosoever believes in that will not perish, will not die, but have everlasting life. There's nothing else in the world that gives that kind of promise, friend. It's only in Christianity. It's only in the words of Jesus. My prayer for you this morning is you believe those promises. You believe that promise. Because if you do, God is going to account to you His righteousness. 
you will be justified. And we will look at more at that in just a moment. But God, here in this passage of Scripture, is patient with Abram. And he tells him again in verse 5, and he brought him outside, no, verse, verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram, this man shall not be your heir, the servant of your house, he's referring to. Your very own son shall be your heir. You're 85 years old right now, Abram, but you are going, you're going to have a son, your very own son, who's going to be your heir. And then verse 5, he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then Abram, then God said to him, so shall your offspring be. God told Abram to go outside. Look at the stars, Abram. Abram, can you number the stars? You know, in chapter 13, he told Abram to look down. Abram, look down. Look at the sand. You're gonna, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the sand. Now he tells him to look into the sky and count the stars. Your descendants are going to be more than the stars that you see in the heavens. This is my promise to you. The Bible says in verse 6, And Abram believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abram, in his old age, knowing his condition, knowing the wife of his condition, yet knowing what God has just told him by faith, believed. Believed God's word. It's like believing. It's it's that mean the word means. So be it. Amen, God. Let it be. This is what God. This is what I believe God is going to do because God has promised it, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, this is one of the key verses in all the Bible. Uh, when it comes to the Christian faith, this verse is critical. Justified by faith. Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 4, in Galatians chapter 3, and James writes about it in James chapter 2. And Genesis fifteen six is used to explain the, the essential principle of doctrine, of the essential principle, an essential principle or doctrine of Christianity that you and I need to understand. Justification by faith alone. The Bible says when Abram believed God's promise, God declared Abram not guilty, not because of any good work that Abram was doing, but simply believing, simply believing God's promise. Now understand where this 
justification by faith has occurred in the book of Genesis or in the Bible. It's before the law. This is, this is a, um, a thousand years before God is going to give Israel the law. This is before Genesis chapter 17. Abram's going to be circumcised in, Ab- in Genesis chapter 17, but he's made righteous in Genesis chapter 15. This is before the Ten Commandments. Uh, Abram is not doing any good works. He is simply believing God's promises, promise that he made to him. Abram wasn't baptized. There's no ceremonial rituals that Abram is going through. No, Abram is made righteous simply by faith alone. Okay, now let's go to Romans chapter 4 this morning. I want to read verses uh, 1 through 9 because Paul is answering the question, you know, how is a man made right with God? How was Abraham made right with God? And it wasn't by good works. So beginning with verse 4 or verse 1, Let's read through verse 8 or verse 9. What shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness, apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only from for the circumcised or also from the uncircumcised? For we, see, for we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness, how then can it be counted to him? How then can it be counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. And so Paul is answering the question, we are made righteous, we are justified, we are forgiven, not by the good things we do, but simply by faith. And that's not what the world believes. The world believes that you've got to do good works, that your good works need to outweigh your bad works. Most people like to think that they are saved like a frog in a kettle of milk. Think about a frog in a kettle of milk, and that frog is trying to rescue himself. 
And so that frog is going to just swim and swim and swim in that but in, in, in that milk until it turns into butter. And then once it gets to a point where it becomes hard, then the frog can get on top of that, that now butter and hop out of the kettle and save itself. And my friend, that's not how we are saved. We are not saved by human achievement. Human accomplishment. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not on your, of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that, not, so that no one may boast. You have nothing, absolutely nothing to boast about when it comes to your salvation. <coughs> God did it all. Now, think about heaven for for a moment. If man could get there by his own achievement, by his own accomplishments, think of how obnoxious heaven would be for all eternity. People are just boasting about what they have done to get to heaven. Uh, yuck! You know, we hate to hear those kind of conversations here and now. But those are conversations will not be in heaven because man has nothing to boast about because it is all based upon God's grace. You know, there's two religions in the world. There's the religion of human achievement. I do... I work, I practice, I pray, I read, I, 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 I. That's the one religion. And the other religion is a salvation by divine accomplishment. Jesus does it all. All to him I owe. It's all about what God is doing, what God has done. And I hope you are seeing this in the book of Genesis. As we went through the first 11 chapters and and the book of origin, it it was God who created. It was God who put things in order. It was God who created Humanity. It was God who created a marriage and family. It was God who created the nations. It was God who created the languages. And it's God who saves. It's God who does everything. He is sovereign. He is in control. And this is the God that we worship. And Abram knows that. Does he know that all the time? No, he's human, just like you and I, and he forgets. We've seen Abram forget, and yet we've seen the patience and grace of God with Abram. We've seen it in our own life. But Abram believes God's promise, and God declared Abram 
righteous. Not guilty. Righteous. Friends, the moment we put our faith and trust in Christ alone, God assigns, transfers, imputes the perfect righteousness of Christ into my account. We read Romans chapter 4. Verse 3 says, And what does the scripture say? Abram believed God, and it was account and it was counted to him as righteousness. That word counted is a is a um an accounts term or uh, or uh, a banking term, okay? And I want you to think of your life as two columns. Uh, one side of the column is a debit column, and the other side is a credit column, okay? And the debit column consists of all the sins you have ever committed. And boy, isn't that list long. I mean, it is huge. It is endless. Sin after sin after sin. And then we try to make right with those sins with the credit column, okay? By doing good works, by going to church, by reading our Bible, by doing things um, to hopefully earn God's favor in our life. And it will never ever erase the endless amount of sins in the debit column. Okay? The credit card column, it comes far, far short. But the Bible says, when you and I believe in what Jesus did for us on the cross, He took your sin, my sin, upon Himself, and was crucified, took the wrath of God upon himself, and died. The Bible says that our sin debt, our our column of sin, our debit column, was canceled, was erased, was stamped paid in full. By the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says Jesus proved that he did it by three days later coming back forth from the grave, conquering death. And we were accounted, we were counted as righteous. We didn't make ourselves righteous, but God took the righteousness, the perfect righteousness of his son, Jesus, and put it in our credit account. He said, righteous, justified, not guilty. Not just at this point, but everything previously and everything that's to come. Not guilty. This is what the Bible teaches about justification by faith alone. Do you believe that? 
God wants you to believe. Now, the enemy, the devil, doesn't want you to believe that. Okay? He wants to continue to accuse you and keep you on a guilt trip. But when it comes to the promise of God, Abram just simply believed. Believed that God was going to bless him and that through him the peoples of the earth would be blessed because of the coming seed, the coming Messiah that was going to bruise the head of the serpent, Jesus Christ. Abram believed. You know who also believed? David, according to Romans chapter 4. Now this is, this is amazing. You know, let me just read verse 6 again. And, J- and just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. You know who David's talking about? He's talking about himself. David knows what it's like to be guilty. David tried to hide his sin. The Bible says that uh, David coveted. He wanted another man's wife. And he pursued what was in his heart and obtained her and committed adultery with Bathsheba. And after committing adultery and trying to keep her husband from finding out, uh, he had her husband murdered in war. And so David was guilty of murder. David thought he had that all covered up until a prophet showed up in his life named Nathan. Nathan told David, David, your sins have found you out. God knows. And you better make it right. And David was beside himself. What, What was David going to do? Because he knew that he couldn't He couldn't make a sacrifice. Look at uh, Numbers chapter 15. Numbers chapter 15. The, The law allowed sacrifice for unintentional sin but not for intentional sin. What David did was premeditated. This was first degree, okay? And he knew that he couldn't sacrifice. In fact, go to um, go to verse uh, 30 of Numbers 15. But the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is native or so or a sojourner reviles the lord and that person shall be cut off from among his people because he has despised the word of the lord and broken his commandment that person shall be utterly cut off his iniquities shall be on him 
what Ab- what David had done, he did with a high hand. He did, um, he, it was premeditated. It wasn't unintentional. It was very much intentional. And he didn't have a sacrifice. So what's David going to do? Go to Psalm 32. Verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. God did that in David's life. God forgave David, go to Psalm chapter 52. What did David do? Here's David's heart in the matter. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David had to throw himself on the mercy seat of God. That was his only hope. God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, according to your steadfast love. I was wrong, God. Forgive me. Look at verse 17 or verse 16. For you will not delight in sacrifice or why I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God you will not despise. David believed in God's forgiveness in the ultimate sacrifice that would cover all his sin that he might be clothed in the righteousness of God. And so David says in Romans chapter 4, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and those whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord will not count his sin. Blessed. That's what God told Abraham in chapter 12. Abraham, through you, I am going to bless the families of the earth who believe in my promises, who believe in the God that you worship, Abram. And I am going to deliver them from all their sins and they are going to be declared righteous. That's 
good news. And my friends, that is the gospel. It's only God who can declare one righteous. And where does this righteousness lead to? It leads to obedience. This is the evidence of our faith that James speaks about in James chapter 2. You know, we don't just believe and then it never affect our life. It leads to a life lifestyle of righteousness, a lifestyle of obedience, just like it did for Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham. All those who were saved by faith alone Their faith was not alone. It obeyed. They had a faith that worked. Works of righteousness. Good works that would glorify God. Do you have that hope? Do you know that you're right with God today? Do you know... I do all kinds of funerals. The funerals that I enjoy leading are the ones where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they had faith in God. And you know exactly where they're at. And I I know that that doesn't dry the tears. And it's okay to grieve. God gave us tear ducts for a reason. He wants us to use them. And He gives us permission to grieve for ourselves, grieve for our loss. But we don't grieve without hope. We grieve with great hope because the one who's gone before us is in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that keeps that can keep us going. We don't have all the answers. God hasn't explained everything to us. But we know one day we're going to be with that loved one for all eternity. And that keeps us going. Justification by faith alone. Believe that, my friend. God has forgiven you. And if you don't have that hope this morning, Throw yourself on the mercy seat of God. He he knows all your sins. And He stands ready to forgive every single one because it's all about His Son who has died for you. Call upon Him today and you will be saved. And you will not have to fear the ultimate 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for Abram, his life of faith. God, how you saved him and how you saved each of us through your son, Jesus. And it's only your son, Jesus. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, the final sacrifice, the only sacrifice that could appease, satisfy the heart of God. Lord, if there's one here today who hasn't believed, may today be the day of their salvation. Because there is no other hope. It's only Jesus. May they surrender to you. Bless this time of invitation, this time of worship. Encourage hearts. God, you know each heart. You are telling each heart here this morning, I am your shield. And your reward with with me is going to be great. Bless them, Lord, as they trust your promise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please, as we sing this song?